Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. KCBS Radio, original podcasts. From KCBS Radio, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current. And one of the topics that will be unfolding throughout this year and into 2024 will be who replaces, if she does not decide to run again, which by all accounts she will not, Diane Feinstein as senator from the great state of California? And to help me unpack all of this and some of the high-profile names who have started to throw their hat into the ring is our veteran KCBS radio political reporter and host every afternoon at 3.30 of the state of California on KCBS radio and the state of California podcast, our very own Doug Sovereign. So, Doug... Diane Feinstein's seat is going to draw a lot of attention, certainly in California, but around the country, just because of the nature of, of Senator Feinstein herself. She is a force to be reckoned with in the uh, modern American political history, taking the seat all the way back in 1992 as part of that wave of women who ran for and successfully ran for and were elected into office in the wake of the Clarence Thomas, Anita Hill hearings, right? That feels like a lifetime ago. But the legacy of this seat, how important will that be for voters as they pick who to vote for? And how important is the legacy of Dianne Feinstein's seat to a Katie Porter or to a Barbara Lee who may decide to run for it? Well, there's a lot there. First of all, yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. And it, it was a lifetime ago for a lot of people. You're talking 30 years. Uh, there are people listening who probably were not alive when Dianne Feinstein went to the Senate. Remember, she'd been mayor of San Francisco. She ran unsuccessfully for governor. Uh, then she went to the Senate. She's been there ever since. Um, yeah, that seat has a, has a tremendous legacy, and she does. I mean, she is the oldest person in the U.S. Senate. She's the longest-serving woman. She's broken the record for that. Um, she will go down in history as a senator of, of great significance. And I think that's one of the reasons she's a little reluctant to let go. Um, she, you know, this has been her life, her career, going back to when she was on the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco 50 years ago. This has been her life in public service, and she has many achievements of which she can be proud in the Senate. But in recent years, of course, um, as she is near 90 years old, um, you know, she's lost a step. She's had some some health issues. She's had some potentially cognitive issues from, from, you know, those who deal with her on a regular basis. And I used to, I don't see her much anymore, but I've seen her slipping and um, I don't think she wants her legacy tarnished by that, but she continues to deny that there's anything wrong and says she's, you know, as 
potent and powerful as she's ever been in the Senate, but anyone who observed her can see that's probably not really the case. Uh, and it's probably time for her to call it a career and, you know, be be saluted for all she's done and make way for, for, for her successor, which I think she would like to be a woman. Remember, Barbara Boxer retired a few years back and really wanted a woman to succeed or a progressive woman. It was Kamala Harris that worked for her. Now it's Alex Padilla. But, you know, once you step down, you have no control over who takes your spot. I think Californians would like to see, you know, after decades of two women in the Senate, Boxer and Feinstein, an historic achievement for California, I think there are a lot of Californians who would not be happy to see two men uh, filling the Senate seats. I think they would like to have a, a woman. And a lot of people want a woman of color. Kamala Harris was only the second black woman senator, and there are none at, at the moment. So that that's an important consideration for some voters. But I think ultimately people are going to make this decision based on who they think is best suited for the job, who they think will serve them the best in the Senate, whether that is uh, Katie Porter, Barbara Lee, Ro Khanna, um, Adam Schiff, or someone else. Uh, I think more than you know, there will be some people who say, no, I want a woman. No, I want a black woman. But I think it's really going to come down to who the, the person is rather than their gender or the color of their skin when this race is all said and done uh, at the end of next year. You mentioned uh, four of the names. Uh, Katie Parr. Par- Let me try that again. Thank God for editing. You mentioned four names, and I want to go kind of one by one on each of them. And the first is maybe the most vocal in their um, advocacy and early announcing that that they are indeed running uh, for the Senate seat, and that is Katie Porter. Katie Porter uh, came to Congress in 2019 from the state of California, the, at the time, 45th district, which was, I believe, Irvine, California, and kind of quickly became like a... uh, resistance hero, if you will, very active in a lot of uh, her committee seats and taking to task members of the Trump um, White House and and the Trump administration. Uh, I think most recently, the image of her reading the subtle art of not giving a F uh, on <laughs> the, the floor of the House during the um, circus that was the, the voting process for Kevin McCarthy to, to be elected speaker. She she has a very high national profile, especially amongst the liberal set. Is she the front runner at this particular point? Yeah, I mean, technically she's the only runner, so that would put her in front. But I think she is, and she does, you're right, for someone who's only been in Congress four years, she's got a very high profile. She's yeah. visible, she's vocal, she's fiery, uh, you know, she, she's, got, she's made a name for herself. Um, and people like her a lot. She raises a lot of money because of that, because of her personality, because of her attitude, her take-no-prisoners uh, feistiness. And she's out in front, uh, true to form. She, she is the first to declare. And, yeah, the polling that I've seen shows that she's right at the top. I mean, it may be a tie with Adam Schiff, congressman from L.A., but um, she's very well known, and he, of course, has made himself very well known over the last five, six years. He's on KCBS more than many of our Bay Area representatives. Um, but, you know, it's clear where, where his ambitions lie. So, yeah, they've both had very high profiles, and they're going to they're gonna duke this out. I mean, they are the top two. There's no question that they are the, the best at fundraising. They are the best known. They've been, it's been clear they, this is where they're headed. So I, I think Katie Porter is the front runner. You know, if she's number one, Adam Schiff is probably 1A. Uh, you know, he's a, a white guy in his 50s. Uh, she, she's a woman, which, as I said, a lot of people are going to want a woman to take this seat. Uh, but there are others who are going to get into this race. But I think they're, they're certainly the top two. So we've talked to Katie Porter. Uh, you hit on Adam Schiff. What about Barbara Lee? Barbara Lee, kind of different in 
in Katie Porter in the sense that Barbara Lee's been in Congress since 1998. She really made her uh, chops nationally, her name uh, on the national stage as, I believe at the time, the only member of Congress who was opposed to any authorization for uh, the Use of actions of our military war, right, right after... 9/11, correct? So, yeah. Um, but 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 this is someone with an, an extensive DC resume who knows people in in different corridors and and has the body of work to support a run for an office like this. Where do you see Barbara Lee fitting into this picture? If, as you say, it's Katie Porter one A, Adam Schiff kind of one B, where does Barbara Lee fit in? Yeah, she's definitely running, a representative from Oakland, and yes, there is no question that is what put her on the map nationally and even in her district. I mean, she would she was fairly new, but she she was well known. She succeeded Ron Dellums. But when she voted not to go to war in Afghanistan and was literally the only person in, in the House to do that and turned out to be right. I mean, look how many years we were in Afghanistan, how much it cost us in lives and treasure. And we didn't really achieve what we set out to do. And a lot of people said, you know, take out the Taliban, fine, go find the people who did 9-11, fine, but why are we invading a whole country? And she said no and stood up to, to George W. Bush and, and turned out in hindsight to have made the right decision and became a hero because of it, literally. And has done a lot since, but really that is the thing that has made her such a progressive hero and an icon. Uh, and she is a stalwart progressive, not a big fundraiser because she's never had to be. And what's interesting, you know, in the in the House... If you come from a safe seat, like a Democratic seat in California, many of them, uh, you don't have to raise a lot of money to win, right? But Nancy Pelosi did anyway because she was very good at it, and it helped her become speaker because you can then distribute that money to other members who need it in their districts, and then they're beholden to you. Barbara Lee never really did that a lot. She doesn't need to raise a lot of money to win, and so she doesn't raise a lot of money, relatively speaking. Um, and now she's in a situation where if she's going to run for the Senate, we know that she is, it's going to take $20 million or more. Uh, to make a serious run. And she's, you know, as well-known as she is among progressives, she's not that well-known in Southern California. So she's at a, at a disadvantage in terms of that because Porter and Schiff are such prodigious fundraisers. But she's a black woman, and that is going to give her um, some cachet because at the moment she's the only candidate of color. Uh, and she's from the Bay Area. And if you've got two Southern California, one LA, one Orange County, uh, Congress people duking it out, and she's got all of Northern California. That's a big base to work from. Um, so she has some advantages. The other big disadvantage for her, though, is these other candidates are in their 50s, and she's 76. I mean, if you're running to see, or she will be 76 by Election Day next year. If you're running to succeed Dianne Feinstein, and the main argument to phase out Dianne Feinstein is, oh, she's too old. Why do you vote for someone who's going to be 82 at the end of the first term? I mean, she's not someone who would serve probably more than two terms. So she might be sort of a transitional caretaker type of a senator. And that's why many people thought that if Feinstein retired, she might be the person who Gavin Newsom would appoint. But I think that's going to hurt her. The age thing is going to hurt her and her lower profile and her less ability to raise money. I don't know if that's offset enough by being a woman of color and being from the Bay Area. You mentioned the fundraising. That brings me to the fourth name that I, I think is part of this conversation, and that's Ro Khanna, who you mentioned earlier in our conversation. He represents California's 17th district, which is Silicon Valley. That is quite literally an endless pit of money. And if it comes down to fundraising, I would think that he would have kind of a built-in advantage. Also, um, he is a person of color. He is relatively young right now at, at what, 46 years old, I believe? And um, 
that checks a lot of uh, the the boxes that you would ex- suspect would be important for voters to run for a national office from the state of California. Is Ro Khanna a, a name that you could see creeping up into that conversation along with the first two names we talked about? Uh, namely Adam Schiff and Katie Porter? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I said Katie Porter's already, she's not 50 yet, but she will be 50 by the time of the election next year. Um, Ro Khanna, yeah, it's not just the Silicon Valley money. He is really connected with Bernie Sanders, and he can tap into the national progressive fundraising base. He, he is, he is uh, adored by that group, and they, you know, there are people from the Bernie Sanders wing who have been pushing Ro Khanna to run for president, forget senator. Yeah. And he's looking at that. He's been thinking about it, and he may end up taking a pass on this Senate race. He said something very interesting over the weekend. Um, you know, he has said that he'll, he'll make a decision soon, you know, in the next six weeks or so. Um, but he talked about Barbara Lee and how he will, that representation matters. There are no black women in the Senate and that the fact that she is going to run is going to give him a little bit of pause and make him think about whether he wants to run against her or just back her. He may just come out and say, you know what, I'm not going to do this. Barbara Lee is my candidate, a progressive, a black woman, another Bay Area member of Congress. I'll support her. I wouldn't be hugely surprised if he decided to do that rather than get in there and muddy the waters and run himself, especially if he's really thinking about mounting some sort of progressive campaign for president uh, in 2024, probably only if Joe Biden didn't run but uh, or down the line. So uh, we'll see. I mean, he, yes, he can raise money. Yes, he is you know, not as well known as the others outside the Bay Area, but uh, he's got that progressive backing. But I could see him deciding to sit this one out, especially when you see how many big names are already going to get in this race. Final question for you, Doug. Is there even a possibility that a Republican has a shot at winning uh, an election and a seat in the U.S. Senate from the state of California? And who might that best hope be for the GOP if they decide to get in this race and make it uh, a contest? Short answer is no. Uh, Longer answer is if there's somebody out there like a Schwarzenegger, somebody who's well-known and self-funding, you know, The Rock or somebody like that, Someone like that, yes, could get in the race, make a splash, have a shot at it. They'd still be at a huge disadvantage because of the overwhelming Democratic advantage in party registration, two to one over Republicans. They'd have to win all the independents, sway some some moderate Democrats. Um, it could happen with a big enough personality with enough money. But your run-of-the-mill state senator or a state assembly member or even a member of Congress who decides to take a shot at this, they, they're not going to get there. I mean, they're 40% of they're lucky. Uh, there's just so many built-in advantages for a Democrat in California. Short of a celebrity who's self-funding, I don't see any Republican having a real shot at taking that seat away from the Democrats. Doug, terrific insight. Exactly why I wanted to have this conversation with you. A lot to unpack and really, a, I think, a very clear look into what's going to be an interesting conversation to follow throughout this year and next year in 2024. Doug Sovereign, thank you so much as always. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. Baker and is a production of KCBS Radio. This episode was written, edited, and produced by me, Matt Pittman, along with my colleague, Doug Sovereign. For more Bay Area stories like this one, subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 